0: Hi, I'm Chip, and welcome to the Two Minute Time Lord podcast, episode number 345, recorded as a time dilation edition, an interview, in fact, which means just a little longer than two minutes. Sorry. So what happens when you do a university study about a television show that you're a big fan of? And the Guardian newspaper in the UK discovers it and publishes about it, and all of a sudden, everybody knows about your infographic. I am on the I'm on the Skypes with Rebecca Moore, an uh, undergraduate researcher at Brigham Young University, Idaho. Did I get that right?
1: Yes, yes, you did.
0: And Rebecca and a team of fellow undergraduates did a study of uh, Doctor Who since the reboot and it went just a little bit viral. Rebecca, tell me a little bit about what made you decide to take a look at some of the questions about uh, representation of female characters in Doctor Who.
1: Well, um, I'm currently a communications student, and I, uh, last semester when I did this project, was in a media research class, and we had to pick some sort of media to research, obviously, for our final. Uh, It was a semester-long research project, And we had to come up with methodology, ways that we could measure something. And so it initially just started because I needed to find a topic. I've always been very much interested in women's studies. Um, Surprise, surprise, I'm a feminist. Um, If you didn't get that from reading my blog. Uh, But so I kind of tried to combine media research methods with a question that I saw consistently brought up when I would go to fan forums of uh, Doctor Who, uh, at least the ones that I was seeing, there were a lot of people saying, you know, I feel like the quality of writing when it comes to females has really dropped uh, since 2010.
0: This is not a universal opinion. Um, I've uh, spoken to a lot of fans. Um, I guess it sort of depends on where you read it, of uh, whether uh, female characters are treated better or worse in any given era of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm personally of the opinion that Russell T. Davis era was a little kinder to uh, female characters than the Stephen Moffat era, but neither of them is actually perfect. But how do you quantify such a question? What did you all decide to try to do?
1: Well, the thing is, it's very difficult to quantify, but we tried to come up with a couple ways to test. Um, and number th- one thing we were testing were trends. Uh, we didn't set out with saying, okay, you had to have this pass rate of the Bechtel test, that's what we use. We use pass rates, um, speaking times, and number of female characters. We measured those three variables. And we didn't set out to say, you know, this is how much you need to have in each one of those categories. We were simply trying to see if there was a noticeable difference uh, between the two eras, basically. Not to say, well, you have to have at least 80% pass rate of the Bechdel test to be a good writer, but just to simply measure any differences between the two writers?
0: Now, the Bechtel test is from a comic strip called Dykes to Watch Out for by Alison Bechtel. It, it really began as sort of a joke in the comic strip, but uh, yep. how would you define the Bechtel test or how did she define it?
1: Well, the Bechtel test basically boils down to three simple rules one, you have at least two female characters. Two, they talk to each other at some point, and three, some of those conversations have to be about something that is not a man.
0: And the whole point of the uh, comic strip was that there were so few movies at the time that really met that low bar. Mm -hmm. So in applying the Bechdel test to uh, Doctor Who, what did you find?
1: Well, we did find that initially with Russell T. Davies, uh, there was a steady increase uh, as each of his seasons progressed. Uh, He started out uh, with Rose, who had a 74%, uh, and then by the end of his run with Donna, uh, he was up to 100% actually pass rate uh, with that season. And then we see a pretty stark drop-off to about uh, 56, I believe. Sorry, my infographic's not in front of me. But I believe it was 56 with Amy.
0: How can that f- infographic not be in front of you? That infographic's Sorry. been everywhere.
1: <laughs> Sorry, uh, let me pull it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, uh, while, you're, while you're looking at that, tell me about the other test that you all applied.
1: I'm glad that you asked about this because most people have just focused on the Bechtel test uh, because that was actually our initial study to see if there was any sort of thing to go off of but then after we did that we said okay well now we need to come up with other things to measure because we realize this is not the only way to test things so we measured female speaking time we measured the companion just specifically companion speaking time and then how many female speaking roles there were in each
0: episode and what sorts of findings did you have there as well
1: For that one, uh, we saw a decrease between the RTD era and the MAFA era in all three of those categories, Uh, the biggest being total female speaking time that dropped down about 32%.
0: So do you think these results from the um, content analysis that you did uh, with the Bechdel test and with the uh, speaking time for female characters – Is this the last word on which showrunner is more sexist? If I could just ask the question really provocatively here.
1: I think I definitely want to make this clear. I don't personally believe that Stephen Moffat is a raging sexist. I think he just doesn't pay attention as much to his female characters as Russell T. Davies. I highly doubt that he sits down to an episode and when he's writing it says, ooh, how can I write less women and write them in not as strong roles? Uh, But I think when it comes down to writing strong female women, and not necessarily in a cliched way, I want to make sure to clarify that, um, it's something that takes awareness. And I think that certain people are just a little more aware in their writing that they need to pay attention to that as opposed to just writing things um, naturally, maybe? I I don't know the word I'm searching for.
0: (laughs) Well, but uh, there are other ways to measure it, perhaps. And perhaps, you know, um, and, and obviously... This uh, went a little viral, and we'll talk a little bit about <laughs> about how this study, how viral this study actually went. Yes. But as a result of that, um, you know, you got a lot of you got a lot of feedback on it, shall we say? <laughs> how many people commented on that thread on your blog where you mentioned your team's results?
1: Just my blog. Uh, currently has 517 comments as of right now. And when was um, the
0: last time you got 517 comments on anything you posted to your blog?
1: I actually have a couple other posts that went viral. Oh, I'm not okay. Sure if so, I'm not so, you're
0: sure if, you're an old hand at this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I actually have a pretty high traffic blog. Uh, it's never been Doctor Who related. It has been feminist related, um, <laughs> but it, it was never Doctor Who related. Um, I don't know if it's five hundred and seventeen, but it was uh, several hundred comments. Wow.
0: So. so why did it go viral? Uh, for first of all, you 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 weren't alone in this in this study. You had no. a bunch of partners.
1: Yes, I did. Um, and those partners, and they do credit, uh, no, their names really haven't been mentioned too much. Uh, but they are Joseph Struess, Tyler Manetto, Joseph Meldron, and Zach Eisen. And they were all excellent teammates.
0: Mm-hmm. And together, you, the uh, research that you did, uh, you all took second, uh, second place in an academic conference? Yes. Yes, we did. All right. And one of your teammates did something with this research. Mm-hmm. What did he do? It-
1: he created the beautiful infographic that most people have been um, – they just kind of copy and paste it usually um, or, you know, tweet a picture of it. Most people don't want to sit down and read a huge paper. Uh, so he kind of condensed it all into one in- infographic, and he's absolutely wonderful. Uh, that's Joseph Struis. Um His Twitter handle is on my blog, and you can follow him if you'd like
0: So what did you learn from the reaction to this study? Because the infographic – my theory is that if you've got a good quality infographic, that's going to be the thing that bloggers and media or all that are going to notice. And that's probably the thing that made The Guardian sit sit up and say, hey – what did you learn from the reaction to all of this?
1: Well, just from a media standpoint, it's important to gauge your audiences. Um, I know a lot of my Facebook friends don't really care about Doctor Who, uh, but I am on Tumblr, and this is, so that's where I actually posted it first. And it went viral on Tumblr before it went viral anywhere else. Um, I'm kind of on the back end of things, so I can uh, look and see how people are reacting, where it's being posted. Um, I do a lot of web analytics. Um, I find it very interesting. Uh, and so I have analytics on my website, and so I can see what people are, how people are responding to posts and where they're doing it.
0: And what kind of reaction did you receive?
1: Well, the majority of people actually just either posted it to their Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr and said, interesting, look at this. The very loud section uh, separated into two groups. Uh, The smaller was a group of people who said, this is the be-all, end-all proof that Moffat is a dirty, dirty sexist and see, look, now I have numbers. And then the other larger group was, you've insulted my television show and I hate you. (laughs) 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 Um, Or a nicer version of that, but right. I think you know, understand what I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: In retrospect, is there anything that you would have changed in the uh, research that you did or the way that you presented it? Or uh, did you learn anything that you would have done differently? Or do you feel pretty good about the work that you and your team did on this that uh, took a took a surprising life of its own?
1: Yes. Um, I I'm pretty happy actually with it. Um, like I said before, we were measuring trends and we were able to come up with a way to measure trends. Um, I think that it is a starting point, however. Uh, So when I say I'm happy with, I don't mean I think it's done. Um, I think it's a good starting point. I've had some really fabulous suggestions from people. And to anybody listening to this who, you know, I didn't respond to your comment. It's just because um, I stopped reading comments because I don't, uh but a lot of them were very very nice and very pleasant and so um and but they just said you know Here's a way that you might have been able to do it better or to add to it. And to those people, I say, feel free. You can totally take this research as a starting point. Look at it. I welcome peer review. Uh, I'm just not a fan of arguing with people on the Internet. Uh, so that's why I just kind of made a rule. I'm like, I'm just not going to respond to people. And I'm also an undergraduate student just about to graduate um, in, a, in about a month. And so um,
0: you've got other I, things I depend- on your mind.
1: <laughs> yes, I, I'd like to, you know get my diploma get a job move on uh this is not necessarily the focus of my life right now
0: <laughs> i can imagine well i do appreciate you <laughs> taking the time to talk with me about this uh about the research and about the experience of um having lots of eyeballs on it and um i appreciate your time on the two minute time Lord podcast
1: thanks for having me
0: rebecca moore is an undergraduate student hurtling toward graduation somewhere in idaho Thanks for listening to the 2-Minute Time Lord podcast. If you're interested in some commentary on Rebecca's survey, check out the episode of Verity podcast that's linked in the show notes, where in the opening run-up, the panelists discussed it. And also check out Charlie Jane Anders' article about the Bechdel test on io9.com, also linked in your show notes. The 2-Minute Time Lord podcast is at twominutetimelord.com. Due to poor planning, the social media is at numeral 2-Minute Time Lord, that's Twitter and Facebook, and I will talk to you again real soon. Take care. Bye-bye.